Well, good morning. I'm so glad you could join us today on this last Sunday before Christmas, and welcome to those of you who are joining us online. In case you don't know me, I'm Graham. I'm the teaching pastor here, and I'm so glad to be sharing the word with you guys today. As I said, we are on week four of Advent. This is the last Sunday before Christmas. And just for anybody who's come in since the start of the service or who's just tuned in online, I want to do a reminder that our Christmas Eve service is going to be online only. And in fact, with the new restrictions from the Manitoba government, we're returning to online services for the next few weeks. So Christmas Eve, Boxing Day, January 2nd and January 9th will all be online services. The church will not be open to have a service here, but hopefully we will be back in person January 16th. So if you could keep our province in your prayers, pray for mercy and healing, that the virus would spare us, that we would have good numbers, and that things would turn out so that we can get back together, please keep us in prayer and enjoy today. Today's our last chance to be together for a little while, so I encourage you, don't rush off at the end of the service. Take a few minutes to visit with some people that maybe you haven't seen or that you're not going to see for a little while. I encourage you to enjoy the fellowship of the brotherhood and sisterhood of Christ as we are together today. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord God, thanks for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the season of Christmas. Lord, I thank you for the message that you've given me to bring to these people. I pray that these would be your words, not mine, because nobody's here to hear from me, me, God. They want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. You're who we're here for, God. We pray that our hearts would be open to receive. We thank you that you're speaking. In your name, amen. So as I said, we're in our Advent series. The first week, we talked about the shepherds and the magi. The second week, we talked about Herod. Last week, we talked about Joseph, another beloved character in the Christmas story. And this week, we are talking about Mary. Mary plays an incredible role in the story of Christmas. Traditionally, she has been called Theotokos, which is a Greek word, which means the God-bearer, also often translated the mother of God which often sits a little strange with modern Christians because we hear a phrase like mother of God and we tend to think that that's referring to being the mother of God the Father, which is, of course, absurd. But when this title was officially recognized by the church in the 5th century, it was important not because it was a statement about Mary, but because it was a statement about Jesus. Jesus is God. Mary bore Jesus. Therefore, Mary bore God. What's most amazing about her story to me is how ordinary Mary appears to be. We know very little about Mary, but what we know doesn't seem all that special. Based on the culture and the society at the time, she was most likely a teenager when she married Joseph. Greeks and Romans considered boys to become men at the age of 16, Jews appeared to be slightly more conservative in that they often waited until 18 for men to get married, but girls in both cultures often married not long after becoming physically capable of having children, possibly as early as 12, but more likely in the range of 14 to 16. Mary, being a virgin, was almost certainly of this age. She may even have been on the lower end of the spectrum since she was not yet married, but girls in both cultures often married early. Further, 
Mary was not from a noble family in a big city. Luke's gospel, in addition to telling us that Mary was a virgin, also tells us that she lived in Nazareth of Galilee. The only really remarkable thing about Mary, as far as I can tell, is that she knew and loved her God. She writes her own psalm of praise in Luke 1, 46, and continuing. Traditionally, this poem has been called the Magnificat, although it's often referred to simply as Mary's song. The, the name Magnificat comes from the first word of the song in Latin, which is Magnificat, which is to glorify. And if you look in your English Bibles, that is how the song begins. Mary, this otherwise unremarkable girl, was used by God to do the most astounding work. Not just to bring any baby, but to bring the very Son of God, the salvation of the world. I don't know about you, but to me, that's encouraging. That God uses unremarkable people to do remarkable things. It's a theme that comes up often in Scripture, but it's worth remembering. That regular people, marred by sin, remarkable only in their love for God, could be used and play a part in the great story of Jesus. And Jesus, of course, is the main focus of Christmas. What is it that we say? Keep Christ in Christmas? But even though Jesus is the main focus it probably wouldn't be far off to say that Mary is the main character of this story. And that puts Mary into a rather exclusive club, the main character club, even if it's only for a short period. Most of Jesus' disciples never get featured in the Bible that way. Thomas gets one short story where he's the main focus. James and John occasionally pop up, but even they are mostly overshadowed by Peter. Paul gets a lot of focus too, but not in the Gospels for understandable reasons. And yet, for being in such a special place in the narrative, have you ever stopped to think about how much interaction Mary actually gets from God? Absolutely. She has an amazing encounter with an angel who lays out the plan for her. And she makes a fantastic response, which we read this morning in our Advent reading. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. But then what? She hears about Joseph encountering an angel not once, not twice. Joseph has three angel encounters. Three. She hears about the shepherds and the heavenly chorus, the angels that came to visit them. But she doesn't see them. She meets the magi. But based on the response of Herod and the people of Jerusalem, it seems that the star which they followed was something that you'd miss unless you were looking for it. And even then, that's still not the same. We have no more stories about Mary being visited by angels. She seems to be present for at least some of Jesus' ministry. She is present at the cross and on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. But there is a 30-year gap where we don't hear about Mary having any sort of encounter with God again, other than telling him to change his socks and brush his teeth, which, since the creator was living under her roof, roof but somehow, I suspect that that wasn't the same, right? Like, that probably didn't hit the same way as being visited by an angel. And most days, it didn't, probably didn't seem all that special. So my question for us today is this. 
How do we remain faithful to what God has asked us to do, even when God seems far away? Looking at the story of Mary, when the heavens are silent, what can we do to keep putting one foot in front of the other? Because we do crave him, don't we? Isn't that why we're Christians instead of anything else? Because we've met him and known him and been known by him and nothing else can ever be worthwhile? David expresses this beautifully in Psalm 63, verses 1 to 4. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Paul expresses something similar in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And the Greek word that gets translated there as garbage is more visceral than that. It's dung. It's, it's what goes in a diaper. It's regularly compared to an English word that gets used for animal droppings and often gets used that way in the country, but that's got a more obscene connotation in city English, so it's not that. But it's, it's close. This word isn't something that you'd yell when you'd stub your toe, but Paul isn't being that vulgar, but it's, it's, it's not far off. And I want you to seriously think about that. I consider all things to be diaper fillings compared to knowing Jesus. Whoa. Connection with God is so vital. When we don't have it, we feel like we're limping along, faking it, really. And David writes another psalm to this effect. In Psalm 102, verses 1 to 2, David writes, Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. There are a number of psalms where David writes to basically this effect, that he needs God, that he is lost without God, that you, God, are everything, and please don't abandon me because you are good. If you wanted to look some up, I can recommend Psalm 27, Psalm 39, 86, and 102, which we just read a little bit of. So what, what can we do? How can we push forward when we find ourselves in these situations, sometimes referred to as the dark night of the soul, where we're not hearing from God? I have three suggestions for us. First, let, let us remember the calling that we were given. In general, we as Christians can look to the calling that has been placed on our lives by God. Callings that have been given to every Christian. These are not unique, but they are yours. In Matthew 28, we receive the Great Commission, which commands us to go into all the nations and make disciples and baptize. Romans chapter 12 commands us to offer ourselves as living 
sacrifices. There are a great many commands in the New Testament that call us to be more like Jesus, to put first the guidance of the Spirit to respond to hurt in ways that are uncomfortable but that present grace to a fallen world, that ultimately we are called to be like Jesus, to be little Christs or Christians in the world. This is summarized wonderfully in a verse that whenever I read it, I feel like it could be my whole reading for the day. Just stop and think about that one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. More specifically, what is God calling you to in your own life? There are some that we can be sure about. If you're married, God is calling you to love and honor your spouse. If you're a parent, God is calling you to raise your children in the knowledge of him and to shape them into good, responsible adults. If there are children in your life that aren't yours, you're being called by God to help raise them, to help teach them to be God-fearing, good people. I'm fortunate, though, in that my calling has been explicitly to pastoral ministry. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a call on your life in whatever profession you're in. For this question, though, you're going to have to look into your own life and your own relationship with God. But I promise you that he loves you and cares for you enough to give you a calling. Because once we have that direction, once we know where it is that we need to go, we can lean on that. Like driving a car in an unfamiliar city, as long as the GPS keeps giving you directions, you can keep going, even though it's unfamiliar. Because God has given you a call, even when you're not feeling the connection to him, you can keep going. Mary knew that she was called by God to raise and take care of Jesus as an infant, as a child, as a young man. Even when she didn't have any more guidance than that, she was able to keep going. Secondly, we can look for the small ways in which God reminds us of his love. Ask God in prayer. Ask him to speak. Now, I believe God is always speaking, but I also believe that by asking, we set ourselves up to listen. We help ourselves to pay attention. Because we need to pay attention. Because the way that God whispers those things to us are often small things. They're often things that might just be a coincidence, but something in your spirit will tell you that they're not. I had a rough week last week. I was having a hard time hearing from God on this sermon. Don't worry, he came through as he always does. But when that happens, I often question whether what I'm doing even matters or has any impact. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable today. As I was walking in our office, someone asked me about a sermon that I preached almost a year and a half ago that it had stuck with them and was relevant to something that they were going through that day. I was blown away. God found a way to use this person to whisper to me that what I'm doing is what he has called me to do. Or another example this week, I've been feeling like I've been really absent as a father. I'm crazy about my kids, and I don't want to ever disappoint them. Can you relate? So Friday night, I was putting my daughter, Charlotte, to bed. She's three. 
And as we were laying her down, I turned to her and I said, I love you. I'm so lucky to be your dad. And she reached up with her little arms and she wrapped them around my head. And she said, me lucky too, dada. Yeah, right? <laughs> I cried. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> that hug lasted way longer than it needed to. It was an amazing moment. But in that moment, I didn't only hear Charlotte, right? I heard her little voice, but I didn't only hear her voice. I heard God whispering to me that I'm where I need to be, that loving these little people is a big part of my calling. So how is God whispering to you today? Did you get an unexpected word of encouragement? Did you find an unexpected parking spot? Did a verse jump off the page of your Bible and hit you right in the heart? God is always speaking. We just need to pay attention and listen. Third and finally, we seek and look forward to that renewed sense of connection. The most important thing that we can do when we feel like we're missing God is to not give up. Keep seeking him. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Keep reading your Bible. If you're missing God, if he's feeling absent, I especially recommend the Psalms. As we've read them today, you've probably noticed, but they are just full of raw emotion and expression toward God. They have been the hymn book of the church for over two millennia, and those words have the ability to connect in a profound way. For me, sung worship is a really important part of how I connect with God. There's a song that hits me very deeply. It's called Seasons, and it's from a Hillsong Christmas album called The Peace Project. The whole song is about spiritual winter, feeling cold and lost, but trusting and waiting for that connection with God that will melt the frost and bring light and life to everything we do. Imagery that really hits home around Christmas, I would say. So if you, like Mary, are going through a season where God doesn't seem to be talking, where you know what you have to do, but God doesn't seem to be saying much, I'd like to leave you with some of the words of this song. Some of these words go, I can see the promise, and I can see the future. You're the God of seasons. I'm just in the winter. If all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. Let's pray. God, we need you. We need you like we need water in the desert. We need you like we need air in our lungs. We need you like we need sleep in the night. Lord, we can't do this without you. You're who we need. You're everything we need. Thank you, Lord, for the words of this book that remind us that we are not the only ones to have ever felt your absence, that we are not the only ones to have ever desperately needed you and to have felt like we just can't connect. But thank you, Lord, also for the words of this book that remind us that you do connect, that you do come through, that we do see you again, and that even in those times where we don't understand, you're still working, and we know that you're worth waiting for, God. So we pray that as we go into this Christmas season, as we celebrate your birth, your presence with us, your time on earth, 
we pray that we would be especially aware of your presence, that you would make yourself known to us, that you would renew that connection in us, that we could be your people, and you are our God. In your name we pray, amen.